Oh my God, the lies. All the lies that go with this is, and the secrets. You know, it's unbelievable how how many lies are... How many lies just come along with this abuse thing? Because, you know, it all starts with a lie. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm so sorry. It starts with a lie, something that the abuser says to control you or to demean you and you know in my case I, I kind of look at it like brainwashing you know I was told things like um well some of them are really ugly I mean one of the things that always comes to mind is you can't pour piss out of a boot with the directions on the heel and I you know I guess under normal circumstances that would be a funny little joke, but it's not funny when you hear it all the time. You know, the messages are too stupid to, you know, even do something right by accident. Um, you know, you're just not good enough. I can't depend on you. You're, you're, you never do anything right. You're stupid. You know, those were the lies that I was raised with. And then, you know, later on when I was in a domestic violence marriage I was too fat you know I was fat at 120 pounds unbelievable you know I wish I was that fat now but you know I, I was just and then another one of the great lies you know that man was also a cheater he had a couple affairs and I'll tell more detail on those stories later but you know I was the one that couldn't be trusted I was the one that if he left me you know god forbid uh I would have men lined up out the door you know just like I'm a whore I guess it's without saying it you know um just unbelievable how many lies and like I said it's brainwashing that's that's the first thing and then, you know, there's the other lies. Like, even I'm a liar when you get down to it. I, you know, I told lies to protect these people. There was an incident. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. She's actually the person that called the police on my mother. And we were talking about the incident and, and how my mom lied about what really happened when she called the police you know, that somehow I was the person who attacked her. Yeah. Okay. You know, those, that's what she said. And of course, nobody saw it. You know, it was my word against hers, um, for one thing, but there was, you know, that's beside the point, you know, she, she lied. She told an out and out lie when she viciously attacked me. And I told you that, you know, I had gotten tired of being beat up and started to fight back, but you know, that was a lie that she told, that she told, but you know, I, like I said, I was a liar too. I mean, I learned how to keep my face neutral when she was saying these horrible things to me. I, you know, I couldn't react. If I reacted, then I was going to get a beating. So I learned how to keep a straight face and stuff my anger and my fear. I mean, being afraid was just as bad as being angry. Like, I had no reason to be afraid. And that's where, you know, I never understood this when people say, you better quit your belly aching or I'll give you something to cry about. That is just so backwards, such a backwards thought to me. But that was another 
thing I heard, you know, I don't know. I don't understand it. It seems stupid to me, but okay. You know, um, there was again, the threat of violence in that after you've already been probably hit for something, you know, so don't cry anymore. Cause I'll, I'll hit you again or I don't know, you know, and then I couldn't be afraid because that obviously showed that there was something wrong. You're not supposed to be afraid of your, your parents, you know, you're supposed to trust them in a normal world. That would be correct. But you know, when you never know how somebody's going to react and you flinch when that one particular time they just move too fast and you're been, you know, um, reflexive to these certain types of movements, then you know, what are you flinching about? You know, you've done something, you know, and then you get a smack upside the head. It's just, so yeah, I learned to lie by keeping a straight face. But the incident that my friend and I were talking about was after the last big beating and it wasn't the final beating, but it was the last big beating while I was a child. I had gone to school and I was, I guess I was like 12, 13, 14 years old, somewhere in that area. I was in, in middle, uh, well, they call it middle school now, but it was junior high at the time. So I could have been 14 and among other things, I had these marks on my neck where my mother went after me and she had these long fingernails. So she went after my neck and they weren't, they weren't open bleeding wounds on my neck. They were more like bruises where her fingernails, you know, got my skin. Now, you know, use your imagination, I guess, of what she was doing to my neck, I, you know, but anyway, I had these marks and, um, I can remember sitting in a class and there was the way the rows were set up, I was facing towards the center of the classroom. And then on the other side, there were more rows that were facing towards the center. So there was these two boys sitting across from me. And one boy said to the other, Oh my God, that girl's neck is covered in hickeys. And then the other boy looked and, you know, I heard it and I didn't say anything because as weird as it sounds, it was less humiliating to be labeled as a, a slut or an easy girl than to say, you know, they're not hickeys. My mother did something unimaginable to me, you know? Um, so just by not speaking up and correcting them and letting them know what was going on, I mean, in effect, I was lying too, you know, and then I don't know, you know, I got older. Well, okay, so here's another lie. I had mentioned that I was seeing a counselor in school. Um, it was around that time period. Probably started a little bit before then. And nobody knew this. You know, I didn't go home and say, hey, mom, I'm seeing a therapist because, you know, I'm having trouble dealing with these beatings and your irrational behavior. And, you know, I didn't do that. Um, because I knew that was just an invitation for a fight. And I did the same thing again later, you know, when I was in my abusive marriage, I um, had uh, set up some secret counseling when um, I was still married to him. And I would leave work in the afternoon and go see a lady and then come back to work. And he didn't know about that either. So there was that lie. And, you know, he said terrible things to me all the time about how fat I was and just, just always something, you know, mostly like 
for him, he said he, he, you know, he deserved a trophy wife and he just settled for me. I mean, I don't even know how, you know, just talking about it. Like I listened to the things that I was told and it just sounds so stupid to me now. Um, you know, so I'm going to try to get past this and be patient, but you, you know, the lies, a lot of them, they're just lame lies. And, um, so anyway, yeah, I was a liar too. And then there was one other lie that I just, you know, it's almost stunning to me that somebody would do this. So eventually, um, you know, he had punched me in my face and like right in my jaw. And I knew this was, well, I didn't know this was it, but I was getting prepared for the, this is it moment. I'll just put it that way. So I had gone to work and everybody asked me, you know, what happened? And I decided I was going to say something, you know, to the ladies that I was working with. And, um, I was in a small town and somebody said I should go to the doctor and have somebody look at that, you know? So I called the doctor. The doctor's office was kind of across the parking lot from where my business was. And I called him and the first thing, oh, we don't get involved in domestic violence, you know, and I kind of pressured him a little bit. I said, can you just please just look at it, you know? And so I guess it's appalling, first of all, that they would even say we don't get involved in domestic violence. And this was maybe like, I want to say it was less than 30 years ago. So yeah, it was a long time ago, but it wasn't that long ago. You know what I'm saying? By this time, people were very aware of domestic violence and how dangerous it can be and the, you know, the effects it has on children. They knew a lot more about it by this point. And so anyway, I I kind of pressured him to, to look at it and I went in and the doctor looked at it and he touched it and it was tender and he wrote up a, a paper for me and he said, um, you know, I came in and I said, you know, that I had been hit by my spouse and, um, then the last line is, I do not appreciate any ecchymosis. I think that's the correct word, ecchymosis. I can't remember how to spell it. Obviously, it's a medical term. You know, I know what I do not appreciate means. You know, it means he didn't see something. And I'm like, what didn't he see? You know, I mean, there's a big bruise on my face. My face is swollen. Uh, and so I looked the word up because I'm not st- as stupid as I was told. And basically, it means I don't see any bruising. So there's another lie. Oh my God. You you can tell I'm getting a little angry about it. And I am because it's just that, you know, it's unbelievable how, um, easy it is to turn a blind eye. And it seems to me in a profession where you're supposed to be keeping people safe and healthy, that he would be the first person to try to do something to stop this but anyway I would never go to that doctor now I'll just put it that way so lots of lies after that um I went to I went to a place called Hartley House now they're in Frederick and they are specifically I don't know I think they're still in in I think they're still there they are for battered women, and they are in Frederick, Maryland, and that is all I'm going to tell you about it, because first of all, I think they moved, but second of all, I would never tell you where they're located, and I had, I made an agreement with them when they started providing services to me that I would not do that, so, which brings me to the other part of the lying and the secrets, you know, not only do you, you hide the abuse and you lie about the abuse, 
when it comes time to make the move or start healing yourself or start breaking the pattern, it's necessary to tell certain lies for your own safety. You know, he didn't know that I was going to Hartley House. He didn't know that a case was started there. Um, you know, he didn't know that I had a counselor there and that, you know, people were helping me in my, my first steps to getting better. And, um, I don't know how, how my ex-husband would have reacted to that. I know that when certain things came up, you know, he would flat out lie and say, you think you're abused. You're not abused. Okay. You know, and yet, you know, he just never saw it for what it was to him. He thought it was okay. Um, you know, one of the great ones that he used to do on a regular basis, this was just a day to day thing. Like, you know, it was like the man had no concept of what gentleness means, you know, so he would poke me with his finger, you know, and sometimes it would be like just in my arm or my stomach or something like that. And sometimes it would be, you know, into the feminine parts of my body. I'll just put it that way, not necessarily below the belt, but, um, you know, just, it was definitely sexual in nature, but it was just, it was, on the surface, it would look like playful, but it wasn't gentle. It hurt me and he knew it hurt me. And I would say something about it and oh, I was just kidding. You know, you weren't kidding. You did that on purpose. It was a deliberate malicious act. I'm sorry. If you did it one time and apologized, yeah, I would believe that it was an accident, you know, um, and you just were accidentally too rough that one time. But when you do it every single time, sorry, you know, that is not an accident. That is deliberate. Okay. You know, and it's funny how the abusers in my life would tell me that they were not abusing me. Like I'm too stupid to figure it out. And, you know, sometimes I just wonder, like, do they really, really honestly believe that? Do they really, really believe that I am too dumb to know that when you say something that's nasty, if I said it to you, it would be mean and nasty. But when you say it to me, you're just being honest, you know, or whatever. Like, there's this weird double standard on top of it. I just, you know, listening to myself saying these things, I just can't believe how... I mean, I'm sorry, but it's stupid. It's lame. Um... There was a little bit of gaslighting, you know, but I just never really let any, I never fell for that. I mean, it just didn't work, you know, I mean, I, well, because I'm not stupid and I want to tell you how that lie got broken in my life. So I had another friend I was in, I think I was in eighth grade going into ninth grade and you know, I got okay grades. They were, they were decent grades. They weren't spectacular grades, but I passed and, um, you know, I, I mean, I just, I went to school. I liked school, but you know, I didn't have that confidence to, to excel. I'll put it that way. So this over the summer, I had drawn a couple things, I guess, you know, there were just pictures that I had drawn and I, I put a lot of effort into it, you know, and I showed a friend of mine and she was kind of impressed. Not that I'm this great artist, but you know, they were good enough that she felt they were 
they were pretty good. So she took them to the art teacher and, um, she felt that I should be in an art class. And the teacher agreed that I, I must've had some kind of creative talent. So, um, in order for me to take this class, and it wasn't a special art class in particular, it was just kind of a fundamentals class. Um, but in order for me to take that class, a couple of my other classes had to change, you know, to accommodate the schedule. And so my English and my science class, I went from, you know, the regular merit, I guess is what they call it, um, merit classes to a top level, I guess it would be equivalent to an honors class, what they call honors classes now. Um, they, yeah, so that was a big difference and you know, they, they changed my schedule for me and I can remember the guidance counselor saying, look, you're going to have to work a little harder, but you can do it. And so something inside of me, because of this change in my schoolwork, not just, um, not just the artistic side, because then, yes, I found out that I do have the ability to be creative. Um, you know, it's something I didn't pursue in depth through the rest of my education, but it, it opened a door. And then for my academic classes, my math and science, I mean, my English and science, um, it would, you know, it really opened, opened my eyes because I was now learning things in English that I wouldn't have learned in the regular class. And I, I always liked to read, but it never occurred to me that there was so much more to it than just reading the story and learning how to spell and form a sentence, you know, that there was actually a much more deeper level that I could learn. And, um, the same thing with the science, you know, it was just a deeper level of, of the science classes. And so, and I was still getting really good grades. As a matter of fact, my grades went up. So I'm too stupid to pour piss out of a boot, but I can take an honors English class and an honors science class and get an A. Okay. How about that? Maybe I do understand how the shape of a boot works and I can pour something out of it. Or maybe you shouldn't be putting liquid in a boot in the first place. I don't know. I mean, anyway, yeah, I wasn't quite as stupid as I was told. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so all these little steps that happened around when I was 14, that was kind of the beginning of how things started falling in into place. And, you know, I was thinking the other day, like when I was trying to put my head around how I was going to do this particular topic and how it applied to me, my mother loved to tell everybody how rotten her kids were, you know? And so I was the rebellious 14 year old and, you know, I hated it when she did that. Like she shouldn't have been putting my business out there, but you know, she couldn't keep her mouth shut when it came to things like that. And I guess it, you know, put attention on her, poor her, she, you know, she was a struggling mom and her kids were terrible and, uh, you know, yeah. But the truth is I was starting to rebel and thinking about it now, I mean, I had a reason to rebel. I wasn't being treated fairly to say the least. And when I look at like how I behaved when I was a teenager versus how my kids behaved. I never really had that feeling about my kids that they were rebelling against my authority. 
you know, I, I just never had that feeling towards them. But then again, they weren't raised like I was. So I can't really say that. I mean, I used to think that 14, you know, around that age, I'll just say early teens is the time when teenagers rebel. I, I think that's a poor choice. Uh, choice of words, and I think it compartmentalizes people. Yeah, I did rebel. I, I own it now. I mean, I, you know, it's taken me this long to realize that, yeah, I was rebelling because I had a reason to rebel, just like any other time when people rebel against a corrupt authority, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, I rebelled. I rebelled, and I'm still going to rebel against it if you want to look at it that way because. It's just not right. But, yeah, the lies. The lies and the secrets. It's always... It's always there. Um, Which... Brings me again to the the last thing that I want to say. And that, you know, I'm just just talking about things. And there are going to be people who may hear about this. And not like what they're hearing. You know what? I really don't care. I do not care, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm not being treated like that anymore, and I'm not going to put up with it. And like I said in my first episode, and I'm just going to keep on saying, these are stories that need to be told. I'm not anybody particularly special. I don't have a degree. You know, I'm not trained in counseling for abused people. I don't have any of that. I'm just a person that lived through it. And the silence... It's all part of the control. So if you're somebody who knows some of the people that I'm referring to in my story and you don't like what I'm saying, I'm sorry, but, you know, sorry, but not sorry. Uh, I'm telling the truth and I'm putting it out there because other people are living the same kind of life that I used to live and they need to know, first of all, that they're not the only person. And second of all, they don't have to continue on. I've been looking at some posts in some different groups about women. Well, one of them specifically for women, but we know that domestic violence is not a woman only problem. Um, And it's amazing how many people feel alone. And that's because of the isolation that I talked about. But the people who are just starting to recognize that there's a problem or just starting to take those first steps into their new life, a lot of them feel like they're, they still feel that hopeless feeling and they need to know that it doesn't have to stay that way. And so through years and years and years of trying to reprogram my brain, um, you know, I don't believe that kind of stuff anymore. And I guess if if you're somebody who's in that position right now where you're believing the brainwashing lies that you've been told and you feel worthless or you're never going to find true love again or you're not a lovable person and, and all these things that whatever was told to you that you're believing now that logically you know isn't true but in your psyche you feel like it is true, there are things that you can do to reprogram your brain so that you can believe the truth about who you are so here's a couple things that I did that helped and I still do these things today when I'm start feeling frustrated or having trouble staying focused on 
even just things that I want to do or keeping my mind from getting too distracted and letting myself getting it, get into a, a darker place where maybe I can't function as well. So the first thing is look for things to be grateful for. And every single day I try to look for something to be grateful for. I did this with my children too. So as I was working through it, I was helping them too. We, when At night when we were getting ready to eat dinner, I would you know, we would say grace and then everybody would say like three things that they were grateful for that day. And sometimes, you know, it got a little repetitive. I was grateful for my children and they were grateful to have me for their mom. But it could be other things too. Like, you know, my boss gave me a compliment or one of my kids got a uh, an A on a test or, you know, they saw a bunny hopping in the yard. I mean, just there's so many things to be grateful for. And just start looking for these things and start acknowledging that they're grateful. <clears throat> and what will happen eventually, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm so sorry about this frog I have in my throat. What will happen, excuse me, <clears throat> I'm so sorry. What will happen eventually is you will, as you process through the things that that you're trying to work out, you can actually start seeing the truth about yourself and that maybe you're not stupid. Maybe you're not fat. Maybe you're not ugly. Maybe you're not this or that. Okay. Whatever it is that you're feeling. Um, the other thing that I learned to do is accept a compliment. It was so hard for me to accept a compliment. And so let me tell you, if this is a problem for you, here's the first thing you do. When somebody says, oh, I like your, your dress or you look nice today. What you're supposed to do is common courtesy. You say thank you. And that's it. You don't have to say, oh, this is secondhand or I hate this or, you know, I couldn't find anything else to wear. Whatever the case may be that, you know, you're trying to make an excuse that whatever they're saying, however they're complimenting you, don't diminish, diminish it. No matter how you feel about it, you just say thank you and be gracious and go on about your business. Because what's in your brain, what you're thinking that, you know, you don't really look that good in that outfit or whatever, when you say it. It becomes more real, even though it's not necessarily true. So when somebody compliments you, very simple, thank you. That's all you have to say. And believe me, that gets easier and easier and easier. And you know why? Because it's polite. And you don't have to act any other way other than polite when somebody gives you a compliment. And when you start to do that and you realize, you know, Oh, maybe I do, you know, I feel a little better just that somebody acknowledged something positive about me because there is positive things about you. So just learn to be gracious when somebody gives you a compliment. And, you know, gracious, that's a derivative of gratitude, right? So we're going back to gratitude. Now, here's another thing. I used to journal. I journaled way, way back when I was a kid and when I was in the middle of all the misery in my marriage and everything I wrote down was depressing, really very depressing. And so we're going to go back to gratitude again. It's amazing how, how gratitude works so well. So I don't write those negative things in that way anymore. Now I told you 
early on, my spiritual health, my spirituality has helped me a lot. So this is what I do. I, when I write things down in my journal, I write them as prayer requests or things that I'm asking for. So those are the things that are bothering me or concerning me. And that's a wide gamut there. You know, it could be personal things for me, my business, my health, my finances, and people that I care about, things that I'm struggling with, anywhere, you know, how I feel about what's going on in the world today, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the things that I'm concerned with. And I, I write it down. I don't elaborate on it. I let God worry about it. I tell him my, my concerns, but I don't dwell on how bad it is. Unless I'm really having trouble getting over the hump, but then that's just another topic for me to pray about, right? And then I always write down, again, praises. We call them praises, but the things that we're happy for, things that we're grateful for. Um, and I thank God for those things. And, uh, here's an exercise that you can do. This has to do again with my gratitude and the things that, as far as my spirituality. So this all stemmed off of a story that I read a long, long time ago. And the lady who wrote the book was Corey Ten Boom. She was, um, this really is on topic, so bear with me. She was, um, in Auschwitz. She was imprisoned for hiding Jews during the Holocaust. And um, she and her sister eventually ended up together. They were separated for a while, but she, she came back together with her sister. And they were in the barracks where everybody had to live. And believe me, it was not, you know, it was just a nasty, nasty place. And there was fleas and lice in there. And her sister said, oh, we need to thank God for the fleas and the lice. And... Corrie Tim Boom, the lady who wrote the book, she's like, are you, uh, you know, she's thinking this is crazy. But the truth of the matter is the fleas and the lice kept the guards out of the barracks and it gave, uh, despite the wretchedness of the conditions, it gave the prisoners a safe place to be while they were in a horrible place. And so there's a scripture that says, um, give, give thanks to the Lord you know, thank the Lord for everything, rejoicing always. And, you know, that's a, a bitter hard pill to swallow sometimes. You know, he, everything that he happens in your life, he knows about it. And that's going to lead me to another subject in just a minute, but or another topic under this subject in just a minute, but he does know everything. And so even though we don't necessarily understand why something bad is happening, I trust that the Lord has the best intentions for me. So while I'm struggling with this horrible thing that happened in my life, but even just day-to-day things like, why is everything breaking today? Or, you know, whatever's going on, there has to be a reason for it. And I just might not understand that right now. And just trust that, you know, like I said, he has the best intentions for me. But also thanking him for putting me in these situations because he must be wanting to show me something or use me for something, whatever the case may be. And so thank you, God, for the fleas and the lice. And so using that scripture, what I did, I, you know, this is my one regret I have in life. I made this, not that I made this poster, but I made this poster and I put that, I put the banner thankful across the top of it. And we got together a bunch of crayons and colored markers and colored pencils and all this kind of stuff. And we started, instead of just saying the three things at dinner that we were grateful for, we would start putting things on the board, on this poster board. And 
even when the kids' friends came in and they're like, what is this, you know? And we'd tell them what it was. And people that came to our house started writing things on there. So it became this really cool piece of art. But it was just a piece of poster board that I had really thumbtacked to the wall. And when we moved, I threw it away. That's my greatest regret. I wish, I wish I still had this today. Because, you know... It has so many stories on it, not just from our family, but just people that we were involved with at the time, their friends, my friends. And it was also a really super cool piece of art by the time it was done. I mean, it was just like the most amazing graffiti looking thing that you had ever seen. It was so cool. So that every time I think about it, I just wish I had kept it. I should have framed it. I really should have framed it. But anyway, it was a great practice for all of us to put it down. And it, it, it started setting an example for the people in our community that there's always something to be thankful for. Okay. So, and then the unbrainwashing. So again, I talked about my spiritual belief and trying to find out, you know, there's always that question, why do good things, ha- or why do bad things happen to good people? Why me, Lord? Why me? And, you know, just finding out, according to the things that I believe, like, I don't know 100% why these things happen to me. And, you know, one day I will, when I get to stand before my Lord and, and he can tell me everything. But right now, I, you know, I don't understand everything and I'm okay with that. I do know one of the reasons why these things happen to me is because of what's going on right here. This very podcast that you're listening to at this very moment, it all led up to this. And the scripture that goes with that is the Lord comforts, I'm paraphrasing, but basically the Lord comforts us so that we can comfort others who suffer the way that we suffered, you know. So I suffered. So hopefully I can help you in your suffering if that's what you're going through right now. That's why. And that's why I feel so convicted about this. But that's not the only thing that God did for me. I started listening or reading and paying attention to what he calls me. And so there's so many loving terms that, that my God has for me, including starting with things like, I knew you when when you were being knit in your mother's arms. And I've inscribed your name in the palm of my hand. So if I'm a Christian, that means to me that the scars that my Savior bore for my salvation, that was for me personally. It's personal. You see what I'm saying? I bought you with a ransom. Um, You're the apple of my eye. I mean, we know what that means, right? That means you're really special. And just, um, you know, that we're children of God. We're, we're part of the kingdom of God. That makes me a princess. So all these terrible, horrible things that I was told, you know, these things that were said to me that were awful. In my mind today, they were bad-mouthing a child of God. And... There's a, there's scriptures about that too. Like, woe to those who offend one of my children, you know, they'd be better off with a millstone around their neck and thrown into the sea. Okay. And that, you know, that takes a weight off of me as far as responsibility and reciprocity or whatever the word is 
Um, you know, I don't need to be vengeful because one day those people are going to answer for that too, you know? So I guess for now, the things that I would say, I mean, I'm not trying to convert anybody. That's not really my purpose. It's my motivation is, you know, how I feel in my spirit, but everybody is capable of gratitude regardless of what you believe. And nobody is totally worthless. And so look for those things in, in your life that you're grateful for and start trying to be more and more grateful for the things around you, the beauty in the world that is around you and the good things that happen because it's not all bad. And the more you focus on the good, the easier it is to get away from that bad, those bad feelings, those feelings of inadequacy, and then start kind of picking apart those things that people say about you that hurt the most and start listening to it. Like, are you really that fat? Maybe you are, but does that mean you're not lovable? Do you not have a good heart? You know, and I, I mean, I wasn't, I'm fat now. Okay. But you know what? I'm happy. So I'm not, I, I don't want somebody to feel bad because that's a, an example that I use. It's just one that was used towards me. Um, but you know what you've been told. Okay. And so listen to it in as much as, is it really true? No. Find the evidence to dispute those lies that you're being told and clean your brain out. Okay. I didn't mention this at the beginning, but I, I do want people to share these messages because there's so many people that need to hear it. The feedback that I'm getting so far is incredible. And I just, I really appreciate the things that are people are saying to give me encourage, but get encouragement. But there's also so many people who, who need to hear this and, I know that sometimes it, it can be dangerous and I just want people to stay safe. So whatever it is that you do in regard to this podcast, do what you have to do to say, to stay safe. Um, if you're sharing it with somebody who's in danger or, you know, living with an abusive person, please use discretion. Uh, cause we don't want to provoke an incident. Okay. Thank you so much, everybody for listening. Take care. Be safe. God bless.